Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. This week on the show, we have an interview with a guy that you really gotta see, which is a problem given that podcasting is an audio medium. But if you are in a position to do so, Google Tom Wall. That's T-H-O-M-W-A-L-L. Look him up on YouTube, go to his site. I'll link to some of his videos over on weirdhistorypodcast.com and see what this guy can do. He is amazing. He is a performer, he is a juggler, and he has juggled with the best of them. He has won awards for his work, and he's been part of Cirque du Soleil, and he's delved into the history of juggling. Uh, in this show, we talk about his book, Juggling, from antiquity to the Middle Ages, and he went back and looked at the history of juggling basically everywhere. Ancient Egypt, ancient Mesoamerica, Polynesia, all over the place, because people, independently of each other, all over the world, have invented different forms of juggling to amuse themselves and to amuse others. And seriously, look up this guy and see what he can do. He is immensely talented. He is mind-blowingly amazing. Google Tom Wall. Watch him just do amazing feats of human dexterity. Uh, and yeah, here he is. Enjoy. All right, Tom Wall, hello. Hey, Joe. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, to start out, I wanted folks. I wanted you to tell folks, well, uh, about you, about your career in juggling, how you came to it, and uh, what you do now. Yeah, so I guess juggling is something that I kind of fell into. Uh, like it, it was always a hobby of mine, like all through high school, all through, you know, undergraduate education. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so it was always a hobby. I went to, I went to WashU, Washington University in St. Louis for a degree that was originally supposed to be in modern languages and comparative grammar. And I ended up leaving through a whole bunch of bureaucratic reasons with a degree in uh, Germanic languages and literatures. And, uh, it was pretty hard to find a job with that. I was pretty discouraged. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And uh, and I ended up in uh, in Boulder, Colorado, because I had a whole bunch of uh, juggling friends out there. You know, people that I'd met at, uh, at festivals and sort of juggling related events online and around the world. Um, and yeah, and so I started working as like a like a youth counselor at this YMCA in town. But I was I was juggling a little bit on the street. You know, like out on Pearl Street. And uh, I was also sort of like the family-friendly, quote-unquote, uh, entertainment uh, during burlesque shows that came through town. And uh, and I did one gig. Uh, it was it was at a place called Castleman's in Denver, this sort of big warehouse bar space. There was this big blowout event there, and they hired a local burlesque dancers to uh, to open for this sideshow that was coming through town. And uh, and yeah, and so I, I did a knife juggling bit and a torch juggling bit in that in that opening of the, you know, that, that pre-show sort of entertainment. And after the show, the guy that ran the sideshow basically offered me a contract to start touring with them, um, doing similar stuff, you know, sort of like danger juggling stuff. And, uh, and I guess that's really the, the start of my career as a juggler. And, uh, and from there, I, you know, I did a USO tour, um, it was through Armed Forces Entertainment in South Korea. I've, I toured with Cirque du Soleil for about five years. I, I, I guess my last show with them was uh, about three weeks ago, so I'm pretty fresh off of that. 
Uh, I've done some juggling lectures, you know, lectures about the juggling history of juggling and some demonstrations with the Smithsonian. Um, that was in 2017. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been sort of a circuitous way of building a career, but uh, it's got me where I am right now. And that's, that's pretty cool. Excellent. And you've written a book about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So my, one of the things uh, that really interests me about juggling is this, is this time period. It's the, the vaudeville era. And, uh, and that's sort of been my focus for the past five or six years, I would say. So uh, you have all this written evidence of juggling acts that used to be very, very popular, maybe even mainstream, you know, if we could call it that. Um, but nobody performs them anymore. So we just have descriptions and we've got some photographs and some drawings. And one of the problems with, you know, photography back then is that, you know, objects were moving, but cameras weren't fast enough to, to capture those. So a lot of the images that you find in these old press kits from vaudeville entertainers, um, it's pretty obvious that, you know, the objects are held up in the air by strings or, you know, uh, if somebody's balancing something on a stick that they're holding in their mouth, that you know, there's a string holding that up. Like there's a lot of faked stuff or stuff that's drawn in. So a lot of my interest in juggling is sort of recreating these these forgotten disciplines within the variety arts. Um, and so, sort of as a as part of that, when when the show I was on with with Cirque du Soleil it was a show called Totem. Um, when we were working in Japan. I was starting to feel a little bit burnt out with work. So when uh, when the show, the Cirque du Soleil show that I was with, Totem, when that was touring in Japan, um, I had read a bunch of uh, sort of juggling history books that were sort of based more on hearsay than on actual like academic research. And I realized that there was this really big gap from about the year 2000 BCE to around the year like 1897, sort of the, the mid-1890s. And there was a lot of conflicting information that had been passed around in these different books or had barely been touched on, but not really investigated in any depth. And I thought it would be a, a, an interesting project to try and fill in that, that gap in the, uh, the history of this art form. Um, and yeah, and so that's what this book is. So uh, this might sound like a pretty basic question, yeah. but when you were researching juggling, uh, how broadly did you find did you define it? I mean, when I think most people think of juggling, they think of somebody with, you know, three balls or some chainsaws or knives yeah. or hoops or whatnot, and throwing them up in the air. But uh, your definition seems to be a bit broader than just that. So uh, when you're looking at juggling in a thousands of years history, mm -hmm. like what is it? What What is juggling to you? Okay, well, I've got two different answers there. I've got my personal answer, my really subjective answer, and then I've got sort of the more etymological answer for you. And I'll start with the etymology um, because the word juggling is, is pretty problematic um, for a number of reasons. One is, you know, you talk to a modern juggler today and they think that, you know, balancing a stick on your forehead is, is that juggling? Is that not juggling? Like, uh, it's, it's manipulating an object with the intent of manipulating an object. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of these, these things that you might see in what we would call a juggling act. Um, but the, the real issue is that the word juggling used to be a very, very broad word in terms of its semantic scope. So the first instance of the word, uh, the written instance of the word to juggle uh, was found in Piers Plowman in the 1200s. Um, and it was, uh, 
it was a passage where there was a guy complaining or lamenting the fact that he uh, he can neither he can neither jape nor juggle. And uh, but back then the word juggle really was a synonym with to entertain. So a juggler was broadly an entertainer. And so that that could include a whole bunch of different things. That could include uh, you know toss juggling as we as we imagine it. You know the three balls, the three knives that you're talking about. That could include uh, feats of what they call leisure domain, which is like uh, it's a lightness of hand. Uh, so like uh, card tricks or you know making a coin disappear. It could mean playing music. It could mean singing funny songs. It could mean training an animal. Um, so when you go through a lot of these old texts. You can sure you can find the word juggle or yogli as the as the way it was spelled and pronounced back then, um, but you really need to find as much periphery information to really determine what it was that they were talking about, because the scope of this book really is more about the modern word to juggle. You know the the people throwing and catching multiple objects. And there, there are traces of that practice going back all the way into ancient Egypt. And it certainly goes, you know, further beyond that, but we, we don't have like material evidence of that. Um, so, yeah, so this whole book has sort of been an exercise in identifying images or old manuscripts, you know, old, old, old texts that refer to throwing and catching objects or refer to this idea of juggling, but then with a further, you know, filter into figuring out what it was exactly that they did. What's your What's your more personal definition of juggling? Yeah, for me, it's for me, it's a lot broader um, because the more that you learn about the history of of variety entertainment or the circus arts in the past uh, two hundred years, um, you start to realize how many things could possibly fall into that category like once you start really going down the the rabbit hole i guess of object manipulation you start to realize that you know juggling three balls like throwing and catching three balls doing different patterns doing different things you know that helps you cultivate a certain skill set but you can apply that skill set much more broadly than uh than just throwing and catching objects um so like one of one of the acts that I perform, it's it's an act that dates back, you know, at least until the 1600s. Um, it's I, I have a knife that I hold between my teeth and uh, and I balance wine glasses on the sharp edge of that knife. And I build, you know, little pyramids that that stack up. And, you know, there's a big question, like at least in the juggling community, I, I competed at the International Jugglers Association like their senior stage championships, kind of the world championships of juggling with that act. It was a miracle that it made through the, <laughs> the preliminary round, in my opinion. And I made it to the, uh, to the final competition, you know, the final event where there were, you know, the, the panel of judges, this jury that was there to award medals, you know, gold, silver, bronze. And I walked away with the bronze medal from that. And half of the people in the audience, you know, these are modern jugglers. These are, this is like the cutting edge of juggling in, at least in the U S mm-hmm. and, um, uh, half of them were like really thrilled to see this super esoteric act being put on the stage. And then the other half of the people were so upset with me because uh, I literally made three throws and three catches in the entire, you know, seven minute act um, where I I threw a bottle and I caught it on the end of a cigar that, uh, that I had in my teeth. And uh, (laughs) and I think that that really highlights this question, you know, like historically the word juggling has been very, very broad. Mm -hmm. And today the word juggling is is very 
it's it's extremely narrow. Like if you talk to a juggler, you know, that's going to a convention or sort of like in the community today, they would say juggling is balls, clubs, and rings. Hmm. Those are the three objects that can be juggled. And, uh, and, you know, I have theories about, you know, why that is a lot of it has to do with mass production of like, you know, plastic juggling equipment, you know, people in the, the turn of the century were all building their own stuff because there was no mass market. So there was a lot more creative expression. Now, if you want to juggle three clubs, you go out to the shop and you buy three clubs and those are what you learn on. But yeah, so there's still some debate today. Like, I mean, the, the IJA, the International Jugglers Association, they even changed the rules after there was this big outcry about my performance that year. Um, so now the judges also have a little 10 point column that says, you know, does this align, does this align with my personal definition of what the word juggling is? Is this juggling? Um, just kind of interesting. Right. So uh, a lot of the examples that you have go back um, quite a ways, uh, quite a ways back, uh, like literally thousands of years. What are some yeah. early examples of juggling and how are they either similar or different from what a modern audience or, you know, juggling professional would expect? Yeah, well, the, the earliest examples that we have are in ancient Egypt. Um, there are these murals that are on the tombs at uh, Beni Hassan. There are tombs numbers 15 and 17. Beni Hassan is this, this large kind of funerary complex where uh, government officials were laid to rest. And in these two tombs, there are, you know, there are these huge, like there are lines and lines and lines of, of murals. They're sort of like these long strips and they show, you know, people wrestling or dancing or, you know, doing whatever recreational activities the Egyptians engaged in. And in each one of these, uh, each one of these tombs, there's a small row of three girls, uh, these three women with this long braided hair wearing these skirts that uh, are throwing and catching three balls in the air. Each woman has three balls and their hands are placed in different configurations, you know, uh, one of them, you know, the hands are crossed, like they're juggling with their arms, you know, sort of like uh, crossed over at the elbows or at the wrists, um, you know, and, and then the other two were throwing the three balls sort of more vertically in the air, um, sort of like what we would call now a three ball cascade pattern. There, there are some people that, you know, their argument is that uh, one, jugg- one of the jugglers is juggling three balls with their arms crossed. You're doing a pattern that's called Mills Mess, where you cross and uncross your arms in different directions. Um and then one of them is doing what is known as a three ball cascade, where it sort of looks like a sideways figure eight, kind of an infinity symbol where the balls are yeah, sort of intersecting one another in a, in a central point. And then people are also saying, some people say, I, I don't really have an opinion about this, um, that they're juggling the three balls in a shower pattern where one hand throws them high and the other one shuffles them back underneath, mm. sort of like a triangle pattern. I think, and then all of these Egyptologists that have been studying these tombs for the past 150, 200 years, um, they also identify them using the modern term juggler. So I think there's a pretty good academic consensus throughout generations of Egyptologists that that they are doing what a modern English speaker would call is juggling. And I, I agree with them, you know, as a, as a professional juggler myself. Excellent. Uh, what are some other notable uh, earlier examples from elsewhere? Uh, you mentioned that it's... Uh... It, it, you mentioned it's invented independently all over the world. Uh, you also mentioned like China and Mesoamerica, for instance. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the really beautiful things about this is, uh, okay, so there, there are examples of what we would call toss juggling, for example, all over the islands of Polynesia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Egypt and Polynesia did not have a trade route between one another 2000 years right. ago, you know. Um, 
Yeah, and so in Polynesia, you have this, uh, it's kind of like a folk game, uh, you know, a singing and dancing kind of game where girls throw candle nuts or tui-tui nuts up in the air and they, they juggle in a shower pattern um, where, you know, one hand chucks them really high and the other hand catches them and shuffles them back over to the throwing hand. Um, and they were first seen by uh, one of, or at least seen by Western eyes, I guess, by Captain Cook in his, in his expeditions in the 1700s. Um, and they also stopped at a couple of other, that was on the island of Tonga where they first stopped, but they also took notes. And there are also all of these other anthropologists that later, that later went to these islands where they, they took notes, you know, like, oh, on this island, they juggle in this pattern and it's always the right hand that throws up. And on this other, on this other island, you know, they always throw vertically with the, uh, with the left hand. And so we've actually got some, some pretty interesting detailed notes about sort of that, the happenings of these, uh, of these island women, Um, you know, were, were these, sailors these these people were they jugglers like could they accurately count you know like oh is that five balls is that 10 balls is that just three you know it's it's hard to say but we definitely know that there is there's a record of juggling in polynesia um that's been going on for for generations and generations and generations possibly you know possibly thousands of years they didn't have a written record um so it's kind of hard to say um but at the same time you know you see Juggling starts to emerge. Uh, it emerged in Japan. They have uh, a religious practice, or at least historically, it was a, a very religious practice called Daikagura. And uh, that's sort of this canon of these different tricks that involves, yes, throwing and catching two sticks and one ball in a variety of patterns. One of those is the cascade, um, you know, where they, they cross in the middle. And then they also do a number of these really interesting balancing tricks as well. Um, in China, you have these ancient records, um, you know, certainly, you know, before the common era of, uh, of jugglers that, you know, they, they were applauded by, by members of the court for their, for their feats, juggling knives, like throwing, catching enormous number of numbers of knives. Like there was, uh, I think his name was Lan Tsi, um, and he's recorded in a bunch of these, uh, court documents and also in all of these, you know, these poems and this prose about, uh, about you know the miraculous juggling of this of this individual, and there's also a story in China about uh, there are these two states that were at war, and one of the warriors got off of his horse and he ran into the middle of the battlefield, and he started juggling. I think it was nine balls, and uh, the other t- the other side just gave up because it would be hopeless, hopeless <laughs> to try and fight uh, uh, an army that had you know such incredible dexterity. And uh, there's also evidence of juggling, reports of juggling in the Talmud, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Jewish texts. These rabbis that could juggle uh, enormous numbers of things, you know, eight torches where they wouldn't touch each other in the air. Again, you know, like, are we actually talking about eight? Or are we just talking about, you know, is that, a, is that an edit that was made later on? I'm not going to get into an argument about, you know, the possibilities, the numbers, the whatever. But it's still extremely cool to know that it was common enough that it was an appropriate touchstone when talking about, you know, heroic feats of dexterity um, or being touched by God or, you know, however you want to describe it. But it was a, it was common enough in culture that they could make a reference like that and people would understand and appreciate it. So something I'm uh, kind of curious about now is that uh, in general, and this might be an impossible question uh, to answer, in general, has juggling been more of an art form to entertain others 
or has it been a game like what you mentioned in you know Polynesia to entertain the people who are doing it? So is it like more performance art or more kind of like pastime or has it always been kind of both? Okay, so the question of historically has juggling been an art form? Has it been an entertainment? Has it been like a game or a sport? And uh, and it has different it's had different roles in different cultures um, where it's arisen. Like there are a number of uh, Native American cultures or First Nations cultures um, that have had games of throwing and catching that would be described as juggling, you know, throwing many money balls in the air Mm -hmm. um, that were used as a form of gambling or a form of play. Um, In uh, in Mesoamerica, there was a, a large culture of antipodism, which is juggling with the feet. Um, that was used in religious ceremonies. Um, you know, you, you talk about Tonga or Polynesia, and, and these are uh, these are games that children would play and women would play um, that also had sort of a religious context to them. Um, but then, you know, you go over to Europe and, uh, and you look at the history of juggling or street theater in Europe, um, you know, from the early Middle Ages onwards. And, uh, and it was definitely entertainment. And then it eventually got like completely shunned by the church. Um, I think it was Thomas Christendom in the, uh, in the 1400s. He was, uh, I, I, I could be getting that wrong. I, I, that's a very small detail in this, in this book. Um, but there was some medieval Christian scholar that, that he went so far as to say that, you know, the tricks of jugglers will never please God. That was one of his big. And, uh, and yeah, and that was because, you know, in, in their interpretation of the Christian faith, um, juggling or doing contortion or doing any of these things was, uh, was distorting your body for the sole purpose of entertainment when it should really be used to exalt the Lord. Um, sort of an angle like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been, very prevalent in a number of civilizations or cultures around the world. And it's always been used in slightly different, slightly different contexts. And I, I mean, there's a, there's a pretty clear parallel as I see it to either music or dance, you know, mm-hmm. dance historically around the world has been used in religious ceremonies or some kind of like mystic thing. Um, but it's also been used as entertainment. It's a social activity. It's a bunch of other things. Um, same with music, you know, in, in, medieval Europe there were there like popular songs, quote unquote, popular songs. Um, sure. You know, troubadours would, would make up songs and, uh, and just play funny things that people enjoyed. But the material that we have the best records of are the ones that were written down by literate members of the clergy. What surprised you about writing this book when you were, um, doing your research? Was any, was there anything that popped out at you that like really made you go, Whoa, for me, I think the biggest thing was kind of having this realization that there were all of these records of juggling, you know, throwing and catching for, for whatever reason, um, that emerged in all of these different cultures hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, without a common seed point. Mm. And I think when you really boil it down, that there could be an argument made there somewhere about... Uh, you know, something about the human spirit and how, and how people want to try and, uh, and capture command, you know, the, the, the laws that govern their day-to-day existence, you know, they're trying to conquer gravity. They're trying to master their body. They're trying to have whatever, you know, quickness of hand or, uh, or 
clarity in their own mind where they can do multiple things at the same time. And also recognizing that that was an interesting thing that could be cultivated for other people's enjoyment or pleasure or just trying to impress them or, or something like that. Um, yeah, to me, that's, that's really fascinating because, you know, when people ask me, you know, like, Hey Tom, why did you start, why did you start practicing? Like, why do you juggle? For me, it's just like, I, I like it and people seem to enjoy it and they seem to enjoy it enough to pay me. Like that's, that's a, a side benefit, I guess. But, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a similar place of just fascination that apparently has been going on as apparently as part of the part of the human condition. So one thing I wanted to also very specifically ask about that, um, I, I know that we don't have um, a super long amount of time, but like you mentioned this very briefly, and I think a lot of listeners might have been going, wait, what did he say? You mentioned foot juggling. Could you please describe that? Like, how does that work? If you if you decided that you wanted to get into foot juggling Today, I'm, I'm just going to use some modern terms here. Uh, you would you would lie down on your back on something that's called a okay. trinka. And I think that uh, I think that's a Russian word. I think it was you know this is something that was it's a it has a rich history in Russia and in China specifically. Um, we call it antipodism, which is you know juggling with your feet. And uh, and yeah, so the purpose of a trinka is it has a stop for your shoulder. Um, so that you can kick your hips up slightly higher in the air. It gives you a little bit more maneuverability with your legs and your hips. And uh, in Mesoamerican cultures, specifically the Aztecs, they they would lie on their backs and they would rotate these gigantic logs. I mean, we were talking about a 10-foot long log that probably weighed, you know, who knows how much. <laughs> um, but when the, uh, when the Spaniards started colonizing Mexico, um, there were, there were these guys, there was a guy named Duran and there was, uh, uh, the other names escaping me, but there were these two priests that were down there and, uh, and they noticed these performers, um, I guess you would call them performers because they were performing in these open squares. Um, they would lie on their backs and they would rotate these giant logs and they would throw them in the air and they'd basically make the log dance in the air, just using the power of the feet and the dexterity of their, you know, their, their the soles of their feet and their toes and, and their heels. Um, and yeah, and, and uh, like Cortez, when Cortez went to Mexico, um, he enjoyed the performances there so much, he brought a couple of these performers back to Europe and eventually had them perform for the Pope. Um, and there, there are records of, you know, the travels of these uh, these Aztec antipodists and, you know, the the things that they did when they were in Italy performing for the Pope and it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. When you yeah, think about that it. sounds extremely impressive. Um, yeah, and also you know dangerous and probably kind of sad because you know do you really think that they went on their own accord <laughs> or I'm not I'm not qualified to speak to that, but you know it definitely raises the red I flag. Mean, no, to me. I feel I'm I feel kind of bad laughing about that, the, but I mean the idea of Aztec foot jugglers performing um, in the Vatican seems kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's totally yeah. real, right? And I mean, there, there are other sort of like weird cross sections that happen too. Like, uh, like, you know, the Silk Road really opened up this huge route from Rome all the way into China. And there was actually, uh, there was a slave trade where the Chinese were buying Roman entertainers and bringing them back to China to perform on street corners because, uh, because that's what the emperor at the time really enjoyed. Um, yeah, so there, there are all of these all of these weird, I guess, connections that start happening as the world opens up um, in, in the early Middle Ages. Um, 
And to me, that's extremely cool. And that's one of the one of the things I was trying to find with this book. It's like, you know, I, I've seen sort of hints at all of these stories, but I really wanted to try and figure out, you know, try and r- put them all down into one into one place. Like when you look at the book's bibliography, the bibliography is almost a quarter of the length of the book. Um, because, you know, as I said earlier, like there there has not been any one any one volume that has tried to really outline the history of this, of this art form or of this pr- human practice. Um, so it's been a, it's been a big exercise in picking things together and finding, you know, texts that talk about people performing on the street and then figuring out what it was they were, that they were doing and trying to find any other supporting information about that either. And, you know, the primary sources or a secondary source. Excellent. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you uh, feel is important to speak to you? Anything that we haven't gotten to that you really want to get in there? One of the very cool things about the history of the word juggling, like the etymology of the word juggling and its, and its use in the English language is that we can actually pin a date onto when it shook off or more or less shook off the last the last implications of magic or deception. And that can all be traced back to 1897 to, uh, to a news article that was written about uh, a really famous music hall performer named Paul Cinquevalle. And, uh, and, and Paul was, uh, I mean, he was to say he was a major name is, is an understatement. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of Paul Cinquevalle before, but he was arguably the most famous person or one of the most famous people on the planet um, around the turn of the century. Um, so much so that you see like newspaper articles in the 1960s referring to things as being Cinque Valley like or being the, the Cinque Valley of, of baseball or track and field or something. Um, he was this juggler and music hall performer who did these incredible feats with uh, like sure with toss juggling, but also balancing things or dropping cannonballs and catching them on his neck and basically doing these superhuman feats of, of dexterity. And he was also really good at playing with the press, which is why one of the reasons why today that, you know, we have so much information about him in these old, uh, old newspapers and magazines and things. And uh, in the 1890s, there is an article um, that's about him. And it's about him talking about how, uh, you know, how he's really, all of the things that he does, he's actually doing them. There's no secret to the success other than just simple practice and focus and dedication. And uh, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, that newspaper article is the first time that the word juggling had ever been used without any, like with, uh, I guess it's the first time that the word juggling had ever been used to explicitly mean throwing and catching multiple objects using practice or skill in order to do it. And from there, you know, uh, about 40 years later, 45 years later, the International Jugglers Association became a thing. And the, uh, in the time in between that, you start seeing in these variety circuits and circuses and music halls, performers that would identify as being a juggler and in their set, they would not include any kind of magic or anything other than the skillful, skillful manipulation of objects. And so that's that's sort of around the time that juggling, as we know, it really started taking off. So that paved a way for someone like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could say so. Um, so thank you, Cinco Valley. I actually had the, the fortune. I was performing in London last month, and I had the chance to go to his grave. And uh, 
you know, leave some flowers there. It was a pretty touching moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, if folks want to um, find you either to see your performances or to read your book, where can they go? Yeah, so the the book is available on Amazon, and it's also available at a number of uh, like juggling and magic stores around the world. Um, but the book is called Juggling from Antiquity to the Middle Ages, to Forgotten History of Throwing and Catching. Um, yeah, my name is Tom Wall. That's Tom with an H T H O M W A L L. And yeah, if you want to see any of my any of my work, uh, TomWall.com is a good place to go. Um, I'm also on you know Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, TomWall.com is the place to go. Um, I also have a blog where I talk a lot about, you know, some, some juggling history, some, some weird stories about, you know, being an international juggling performer, um, a bunch of articles about, you know, how to get started. Like if you want to learn how to juggle yourself, um, that is uh, that's a pretty good resource. Excellent. All right, Tom Wall, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Again, the book is Juggling from Antiquity to the Middle Ages. It is out now. Uh, we have a link uh, where you can buy it over on weirdhistorypodcast.com. Also, thank you everyone who supports the podcast every month. Uh, this podcast survives because of you, the listeners. Uh, I do not serve advertisers. I serve you. If you wish to become a monthly supporter, go over to weirdhistorypodcast.com. There is a link where you can do that. And thank you to everyone who does that every month. I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter, at Joe Streckert, J-O-E-S-T-R-E-C-K-E-R-T. And the show is on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. Thank you all very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. (laughs) 